Welcome to Real Talk, Real Estate Discussions with Andrew Kirsch. In each episode, Andrew interviews industry leaders. We'll hear their real-time opinions on today's market, their background and unique career highlights, and guidance for newcomers into the industry. You can find this show at spillalkirsch.com and on YouTube, LinkedIn, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Now here's the host of Real Talk, Andrew Kirsch. Episode 20 of Real Talk, we turn our attention to the lending industry. We have Brian Good, one of the founders and CEOs of iBorrow on today. And we have an interesting discussion with Brian talking about the state of the lending market, specifically debt funds. You know, a lot of uh, private lenders and debt funds are having some issues, whether their working lines of capital are gone. Uh, or they're working through legacy assets, their ability to lend have been um, hamstrung. And then with banks, well, we see what's going on in the banking industry. And oftentimes banks are still requiring you know, personal guarantees or there's a ton of diligence or very low leverage. So really the entire lending market is, um, is tight. And that's one of the reasons why we're not uh, seeing the transactions uh, along with the rise in, uh, in interest rates. Um, to those that don't know, uh, I borrow. They're a, a private uh, mortgage REIT. They've got uh, they've done about two billion dollars of, of real estate loans uh, during their ten year history. Um, and you know the conversation uh, is wide ranging with Brian from from the lending market to uh, of course our our passion of uh, of being big Dodger fans. I think you'll enjoy our conversation with Brian. Welcome to another edition of Real Talk. I am here with my good friend and buddy, Brian Good, CEO of iBorrow. Brian, how you doing? I'm great, Andrew. How are you? Good. So it it's really a testament, uh, I guess, to the show, not to me, that I'm able to pull you from boot camp, from, I don't know, playing 18 or 36 holes on the golf course to get you to do this podcast. So I appreciate it. And so to my audience. Well, thank you for having me. It's an, an honor and a privilege to be a part of this. Um, I love your artwork. I, Maverick did a really good job with the paintings behind you. Um, but I just want to start a couple things in your world. Mm. I just want to congratulate you on a couple things. I think, um, you know, your movie Maverick was nominated for an Academy Award. So I, I think you're, you should be applauded for that. I'm sure you were very disappointed in the outcome. I think it was a it was really a, a, a shame that they didn't win. So I know how much you were we got rooting hosed. for them. You got hosed. And hopefully he does another movie and we, Maverick 3 and would be right there. And I also wanted to um, congratulate you on the season that Northwestern State had this year. They were absolutely unbelievable. I think they were 22 and 11. The Demons from Northwestern State, your alma mater, just unbelievable team. And you should be very proud of that. Wow. Okay. I don't even know where to go with that. <laughs> uh, you're criticizing my university, uh, Northwestern University, as everyone should oh, know. North oh, it's Northwestern. I thought it was yeah. Northwestern State. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, mis I misread a your bio. It's and, too bad. And I think UCSB lost in the first round. And if I we recall, we I did. went to the first round matchup of Northwest of the uh, Northwestern playing Boise State, and we won. And so we played in round two while UC Santa Barbara was home. Maybe they were surfing and hanging out. No, we were busy. We're busy winning, winning Nobel prizes. That's what we do at UC Santa Barbara. We Got help it. fix them. So we, 
we were busy doing that. And and Northwestern put up a, a you know, you should be proud of them. They played UCLA and lost, obviously better paid team than Northwestern. And, you know, there's always next year. Between sure. Top Gun Maverick and uh, Northwestern basketball at a, at a great uh, Yeah, a great year. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, let's – this is why my audience tunes in for, for this <laughs> discussion. Uh, That's not why we're here. We're here to talk about something else. Yeah. So let's talk about – well, I, I, I want to talk about iBorrow, uh, okay. the history of iBorrow, what you guys are doing – now and really just the state of the of the market you know we've we've only had i think one or maybe two lenders uh on this show and so given what's going on in the banking industry the lending market uh it would be great to get your perspective but first brian good ceo of iboro tell us what is iboro so we're a lender we're a private lender we used to be called a hard money lender but no one uses that term anymore so we're a private lender we're actually a mortgage REIT, private mortgage REIT. Um, we lend money on commercial real estate all around the country. I think we're in 32 states right now. Um, we've been around nine plus years. Um, we are uh, um, first trustees only, uh, short-term bridge, uh, interest only, um, you know, market loan to value, um, service our own loans, and we work quickly. We're kind of, we call ourselves the entrepreneurial lender. That's what we do. Having come from the ownership side uh, in my previous life, I sort of understand what borrowers, buyers are looking for and what they're not looking for. And we, we provide that hopefully. And uh, that's our business in a nutshell. Um, we, one of the things we do, if I can just promote us a little bit, is we service our own loans, which I think is unique in the, in the, in the business right now. So we don't close a loan and then hand it off to a third party. We do, we do all the servicing in-house and um, that I think should, that helps a lot of borrowers, especially now when the market's changed over the, over the last year. So let's talk about sort of the evolution of iBorrow and also just the private lending market. And then I want to get into what we're seeing today. So, sure. you know, for, for many years, Prior to the summer of 22, for, I don't know, seven, eight years, we were in an extremely low interest rate environment. Um, and certainly after COVID for two years, we were in a very low interest rate environment. So how are you guys able to compete with, um, you know, other lenders that were, were, were really providing uh, a very low interest rate product? to to borrowers where where do you fall in 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 the in the lending sphere so let let me let me i'll answer your question but i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about a couple things first before i get to your question so prior to i would say a year ago we were still in the largest bull market in the history of real estate average upticks in runs in real estate 72 months historically and we were probably, I mean, you can go back to probably 2010, 2011, when everything started stabilizing and went up in value for 12 years, you know, give or take a year back and forth. I've been through three recessions in my life, and that was by far the worst. Um, and let's go back now 12 months from today when rates started were nothing. 
mm-hmm. base rates on every every index was really historic lows and held that way. Um, and then there was little upticks and things were changing. And from the index we were working on, which is now SOFR, I mean, a year ago, we were fixed rate loans at 7%, 7 7.5%, sub a couple sub seven, which were all time lows for us, but it was the only way we could compete with banks, which were half our rate. Sure. That's what I was looking to. And those loans at six or 7%, we were happy to get, you know, multifamily industrial, mostly at that rate. And we were happy to get them. It was competitive. There were a lot of banks vying for the same uh, loans. And there was a lot of private lenders vying for the same, the same loans also. Um, that was a year ago. And then slowly but surely things changed. Um, we don't have to talk about the, the macro level of what was going on in the economy, but government decided it didn't want to have money out in the system, started pulling back and rates started going up. And now we're at a SOFR rate index, which is something like high fours. So it went from virtually nothing to the high fours. I don't think ever in the history of we of our business, at least in, for sure in our lifetimes, and mine's a little longer than yours, um, have we ever had such a historic increase so quickly? Um, and we've never had that kind of increase, but just to be going up, you know, 500 base, 450 basis points in, in one year, forget the spreads, forget the spreads, just 450 basis points on the index is God has to have repercussions in the real estate industry. And I think now we're feeling that. And I think it's happening in, in a couple of different areas. One is, um, a lot of real estate lenders, banks and private lenders are just out of the market right now. Banks are scared of their own shadow and private lenders have a lot of problems both on their legacy portfolios and also with respect to um, uh, whether their working lines of capital um, to leverage their their loans are even available anymore. So it's, it's, a, it's a monumental change in the system um, and it's, a, and the end effect of all of this is it's got to have a downward effect on pricing. And so how, so you mentioned the effect it's having on private lenders. Mm-hmm. You're a private lender. So what, how has this affected iBorrow? Well, we're, we're a private lender and we get our business two ways. One is borrowers have to close quickly for whatever reason. Okay. They got a great deal. They have a short escrow. They have to close quickly and banks can't close in less than 45 or 60 days, usually longer. That's the, the first thing. And the second type of business we get is people that just, no matter how much time they have, they don't want to go to a bank and borrow from a bank because they don't want to sign a personal guarantee and they don't want to deal with having to provide tax returns for their, their kids from 10 years ago. They don't want to deal with all of that. Sure. So that's the business we get. I can tell you that was always kind of 50-50. Now we're getting business from borrowers who are bank worthy, have never borrowed from anybody but a bank, but have no choice but to come to a private lender. That's, that's the difference right now. You're, you're, you're getting people in the door. You're seeing opportunities from borrowers that are more institutional in quality. At least we are. So where are, and I know every deal stands on its own, sure. every location, asset class, Give us a just a general sense of where rates are uh, and explain the type of product, whether it's a 
development deal or an income, you know, uh, a value add multifamily deal, the, the type, both the, sp- the, the rates and also leverage. So we don't do construction loans. So that's, we never have, we don't like land. We don't like ground up construction, good, bad, or indifferent. I, I historically had done a couple when I was on the other side of the, the business and I just didn't have the stomach for it. And, and it's cyclical in nature and we just didn't want to do ground up construction. That was in our thesis from day one. So for nine years, we've, we've avoided that. Um, we don't lend on land either. So those take those out of the equations. If you look at the sort of property types, the main ones, apartments and multifamily in our office and every other lender's office are considered the best asset classes out there right now. And there's no difference. I would probably give industrial a little nudge above apartments, but those kind of properties, we are as aggressive as we can get on that kind of stuff is somewhere close to 500 over SOFR. Okay. And that's cash flowing mostly or not cash flowing. We like the asset. We like the borrower. We like the opportunity. We like the market around 500 over Um, for retail and hotel. um, It's really higher fives to 600 to maybe 650 over Um, hotels. We've, we've, we, we did the um, standard hotel that had been shut down for a couple of years. We did that loan. We closed about a month ago, a month and a half ago in West Hollywood. Um, you know, it's pricier loan. That's not an apartment. It's not a uh, industrial. That's a pricier loan. Um, and we've done retail. We're okay with retail. That's going to be in the 600s. And we've looked at office. Um, we're not afraid of office. We're just very picky with respect to office. So those five categories were sort of in the 500 up kind of spread. And do you give, you know, delayed, um, you know, tenant improvement, like let's say the standard, for instance, I assume there's a big capital improvement budget that they're going to do. Are, are you going to give money um, post acquisition closing for the renovations? Sure. So we have, you know, a lot of our properties are not cash flowing. So we have interest reserves. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are properties like that and, and industrial and multifamily that are doing value add and we'll put in construction reserve or our tenant improvement leasing commission reserve, we're happy to do that type of stuff. Um, the key for us is obviously good borrower, viable business plan, and enough equity in the deal that they care about it um, because we're non-recourse. We want to make sure they have right. significant equity in the deal. And if anything goes bad or wrong, that they're just not in a position to, they don't want to just hand back the keys. They want to protect what they have invested. Those are kind of are the you criteria a- we look at. Are you able to talk about the different uh, leverage percentages? Sure. sure. So we'll go, I mean, generally we like to be in the 65 to 70% loan to value of our value. Um, different markets maybe push it a little higher. Um, different borrowers maybe a little higher, but mostly it has to do with the real estate and the market. 70% plus for more of cash flowing or somewhat cash flowing industrial or multifamily. Uh, repeat borrowers, those kind of things will push it a little more, 70 plus percent. But the idea in our company, Andrew, is not to take over the asset. We're not a loan to own shop. You know, we're, we're a mortgage REIT. We have to distribute cash flow. So we want to lend the money. We want to get paid on our interest. And most importantly, we want to get paid back. People kind of lose sight of that. We want to 
lend the money and then they got to pay us back. That's, that's how we work. And what's the average term on your loans? 18 months, 18 months term. So we have the ability to go three, maybe four years on loans, but our average term is basically 18 months. They want it, you know, I'm expecting it to go longer because the idea was they're going to fix it up and they're going to refinance us out with a lower, you know, agency loan or something like that, especially on multifamily. That's not always the case right now. So I think our average term is going to go to two plus years, which is fine if they're paying and they're a good borrower, we're happy to do that. Mm -hmm. So you guys obviously have been lending uh, uh, throughout this last cycle. And you mentioned uh, that there are private lenders, all lenders are nervous about the source of getting paid back. So the loans that you have on your books that you originated you know, post, uh, let's say 21 and in the first half of 22, um, with an 18 to 24 month uh, term, you know, they're coming due this year or later this year. Um, What is, uh, you know, how are you feeling about getting, getting paid back? And how are you dealing with borrowers who need more time and want more time for the lending markets to stabilize? So that's, that's a great question. We actually, so most of our deals right now, new deals, not a lot of acquisitions going on, a lot of refis, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, just the way the market is. But in terms of our existing loans, um, borrowers who were matured, we actually got a bunch of payoffs in the last six months. We didn't know how, but they paid us off and that's fine. Um, but there's really two piles of, of borrowers in our servicing department. There's the good borrowers and the bad borrowers. And it's really that simple. The bad borrowers are the ones who don't communicate. They're late on their payments. They always have an excuse. They're not really upfront. The good borrowers are the ones who call us. They're proactive. They're organized. You know, they have a team that works. They look efficient. So the, the good borrowers are going to get the benefit of the doubt from us. Obviously, we're going to assess the property and where it's at. But if you're a good borrower and you've been communicative with us throughout the process, like we expect, then they're going to get probably the an extension that kind of keeps it status quo. If it's a bad borrower, you know, that we don't really feel like they're paying attention to us, you know, there's going to be some, for an extension, if they don't have an option, they want an extension, there's going to be some ramifications to it, you know, pay us down, maybe flow to higher interest rate, that kind of thing. So my advice to people out there, and I tell you to the new borrowers, when we close transactions is let us know what's going on. Don't hide, don't be a stranger, call us and talk to us can't help you if you don't know what's going on. And I'd rather know early rather than after the fact, because we're going to find out and we're not going to be happy about that. Be upfront, let us know what's going on. So that's what we're, you know, hopefully, you know, a majority of our borrowers, vast majority are the good borrowers and that we, we can do it. And I think that's one of the advantages for us being um, servicing it in-house. We're not under some strict orders from a lender telling us what to do. We are the lender. We can make adjustments. I have three amazing partners. We, you know, our loan committee is scheduled to meet once a week, you know, at a certain time designated every week, prepared, we go through it. But the reality of our business is we meet every day. We talk about our deals every day, the new deals and the existing deals. And we spend as much time on each, just going through it and making sure, and then working with our asset manager and our head of underwriting who all know the borrower. They were all there from the inception of the loan. 
and we can communicate and talk to them and walk them through how we think about things. And I think people appreciate that. I think borrowers appreciate that. Um, I think it's good for the team also. You know, everybody knows what's going on. Very transparent kind of group here. So when we have new deals, new transactions, we get them in early to talk to the borrowers and, and meet them and, and feel out what they're like. And it helps. There's no surprises here. Um, but that's it's really that simple, Andrew. The good borrowers and the bad borrowers. Yeah, well, uh, I'm sure you uh, you have your list and the the naughty and the nice, and you want to make and we're sure check, we're, we have our net list and we're checking it twice. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, have, by the way, we have no attorneys on the bad list. Just so you know, they're all on the good list. Well, that's the first compliment I've ever heard from you <laughs> with an attorney. So uh, yeah, that that that's good to know. Um, there's so much talk today about the about and here even in our firm we're we're forming a lot of funds both equity funds debt funds and a lot of funds that are going to be dedicated to preferred equity mm -hmm. and so what's i borrow's stance on providing preferred equity or mes um either uh as rescue capital so more of a refinancing type of product or or on acquisitions as senior lenders, more conventional lenders just can't go north of 55 or 60 percent? No, I think that's, you know, that is a, we have our partners. I mean, we're doing, when we're working on refis, the goal, obviously, the borrowers to come in and have a cash neutral refinance where they don't have to ca call additional capital and they can just refi what's existing. The reality is the values have dropped. Their plans are, they're behind on their plans. The income's not what they thought. So they're going to need new capital. So we identified that need three to six months ago. Um, and we have certain partners we can work with, with respect to, you know, putting a MES or giving them somebody who can do the MES for them. We're not in that business right now. We are looking at it. The whole rescue capital um, preferred equity is interesting. I think it will be interesting for the next couple of years. Uh, for sure. Um, it's got to be the right situation. We've done it in our existence nine years. I think we've done it once. Um, we really like the deal, maybe twice, but we're not, we're really focused on lending. And, um, but we are, we are aware of the situation. There is a shortage of MES and PREF out there. I, I can tell you this, you know, our average loan size is 18 million. So we're considered a smaller lender, small size, small balance uh, small size loan lender. It used to be 18 million was a big, you know, bigger time, but now 50 and up is kind of, our average sure. loan is 18. So to get somebody to give a mez of like two or $3 million is actually harder to get than to somebody who give you a mez of 15 to 20. There's just many more providers. Plus the cost to do that transaction, it's better at 15 to 20 for, for somebody to do that deal. Um, when we did our larger loans, I mean, we have a $97 million loan. We have a $56 million loan. We've done bigger stuff. We, you know, the borrower had all the money. They had the mez lined up. They had the equity lined up if need be. Um, but that's definitely if the people out there looking for business right now. If you can identify people doing mez or pref, you know, kind of three to five million dollar slugs, that's that's a that's a really good business to be in over the next couple of years. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, those are amounts that, it, like you said, it's um, uh, it's too small for the institutions and. Uh, I think that's why we're doing a lot of um, formation of funds in that arena for that type of rescue capital, maybe sub-institutional dollar sizes. Um, talk about 
you know, you know, when, when a borrower is doing business, especially for the first time with a private lender, uh, and I make introductions, um, you know, all the time, uh, on the capital side, whether it's debt or equity. And the most important question today for sure is certainty of close and, and will that capital provider be there? Right. Um, so talk about iBorrows, um, how you guys are capitalized and how, how do you differentiate yourselves from other lenders where we've heard issues, uh, that they're having in, in the market today? So that's, that's a great question. And you have been generous to us giving us leads over the, t over the years. So we appreciate that, Andrew. Uh, it should not go unsaid. Well, um, I, I only asked that question so that you could give me a compliment. That was the only purpose. So now that you've that's given it, me, you've got your one compliment. Now we're done. Maybe now we can go on to the next question. I don't even need <laughs> you to answer it substantively. No, just kidding. To your, to your listeners, all, all, all two or three of them that yeah. just know Andrew and I have gone back and forth many years uh, with discussions like this, and the bantering is always at a friendly level. Um, the 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 what I would say is. Um, well, I mean, I don't know how to, I got to be a little more specific. Like, well, first, how is, how are you capitalized? Okay. So, so we have our, we are private mortgage REIT. That's mm -hmm. the general fund. That's an evergreen fund. Cause we're a REIT and we're going to be around forever. That's, that's how we're, that's how we're set up. Um, we did enter into a partnership with Oak tree, um, several years ago. That's public information. Um, they've been our partner on funds on loans, sorry, not funds, on loans um, for the last three plus years. And they've been a wonderful partner. Um, and that name has significance, obviously, in, in, in the marketplace, both on, on the lender side, on the equity side as well. Um, and they were recently merged or acquired by Brookfield. So now you're talking about, you know, Blackstone type size. So that's to a borrower when we mentioned our name and we mentioned um, Oak Tree, that gives a, a level of certainty. But beyond that, you know, my, our mantra here has always been do what you say you're going to do. And we've done over 150 loans, close to $2 billion in capital, and we've never retraded. Okay, so we spent a lot of time up front on our term sheets. We provide the information and we tell them what we're going to do. Um, unless a borrower is materially uh, changing the terms of their deal, not telling us, lying, cheating, doing whatever, um, we close on, on how we say we're going to do the deal. And I think that goes a long way. Um, we have that reputation. I'm proud of that. Um, and it's very simple. Do what you say you're going to do. And, and for whatever reason in real estate, it's not always the case, but that's how we, that's how we like to conduct ourselves. Yeah, no, it never is the case. Uh, and what about warehouse lines? Do you guys use them? Very little leverage. We have very little leverage. We have none on our fund. Um, and, uh, you know, our loans are structured, complicated loans as is, you know, to put leverage on that may defeat the purpose. And we're already at, you know, our, the yields we're getting right now are commensurate with what we really are, you know, promising as a return for our investors. So, you know, there's no need to complicate situations, maybe down the road. I mean, we're always talking to banks, but I think, you know, for our competition, they levered their loans. So they would right. lend at six or 7% and they would have, 75% leverage at a floating, you know, they have a fixed rate, 7% and a floating rate leverage facility on a significant amount of debt. And those loans are now upside down or their leverage lines are frozen. So we don't have that problem. 
Yeah, well, that's what I wanted to tease out uh, so that the my audience, uh, you know, hears that from you. And then what about selling A notes? We don't. We don't do that. So you just keep the whole thing on your balance sheet. Keep the whole thing on our on our inner fund, correct? Yeah, on the fund. Um, so when you see, uh, you know, a a downturn in the market in terms of new, you know, of acquisitions. I mean, even in our business, right? For the last, I've been saying this uh, almost on every podcast. Uh, you know, um, transactional volume is down significantly. We had an uptick, a slight uptick in March, and that was artificial because. In the city of LA, with the transfer tax coming into place on April first, we did. It almost felt like an end of the year type of cycle of deals mm -hmm. trying to close before March thirty first. Only deals in the city of LA, and now that's over. Um, and now we're back to where we've been over the last, I would say, six to eight months, ten months maybe, uh, in a low transactional market. Um, mm -hmm. Is there concern about? you know, putting money out? Do you feel pressure putting money out? Are you not putting as much money out this year as you did last year? I mean, where, um, you know, what are your thoughts about just the market in general and putting money out? No, the market has slowed. I mean, I think the acquisitions, the bid ask between uh, buyer and sellers, it's, it's up in the air, I think. Um, and this is normal for us, an uptick. It, it shows you how important uh, the debt is on a real estate transaction. Something like 90% of all real estate transactions involve debt. Um, the cost goes up so significantly, it has to have an effect on the overall transaction. And sellers that don't have to sell aren't selling. And buyers don't know how to price anything right now. I mean, I think there's been movement. You know, we were at some conferences where the, you know, we know cap rates have gone up on apartments and industrial already. Um, but it's still going up. And I think until there's a definitive, um, more definitive stoppage on increase in interest rates from the Fed, I think you're gonna have this little bit of a slump. On the flip side, you've got buyers, borrowers who have funds and money that have to get out, um, or it goes back to their investors. And that's a problem. We don't have that demand. We don't have that stress. We don't have that in our fund. We can put out money as we see fit because we're an evergreen structure and we would like to put out money. We're not going to force the case, but the reality is we're not, we're the second line, you know, buyer and seller have to meet and there has to be a transaction. Right. We can't force them to have a transaction. Sure. In some ways sort that's good. Like, in some ways that's right. Like you, it's the same idea. We're, we're, I mean, yeah. We're receivers. We can't create of, this. Yeah. Right. You can introduce people, but they still have to agree on a price and, and transact. Yeah. And that's not what's, happening right now. We have a lot of refinances. I would say major vast majority of our deals that are in our office right now are refinances. You know, a lender wants out, they want more time, they want more money. We're looking at a lot of those kind of things. I had a transaction come in today, which is a retail transaction. And they the ask was a $60 million loan request. And, um, you know, I email the broker. I said, we're never going to get to 60. I don't know how you're, how you're underwriting this thing. And he says, well, where are you going to be? And I'd say, I think at best we'd be at 40. And he says, perfect. We have two other, two other lenders that are right at 40. I said, well, why'd you ask for 60? If you knew it was going to be 40, <laughs> now you have three. I mean, does he have the money? He says, yeah, no problem. He doesn't have money, but we might as well ask. I'm like, okay, that's, I give you credit for that. But that's what's going on right now. There, people are, I think they're, um, 
if they need debt, they know they're going to need to have some equity and in order to make it happen. But that's the majority of the transactions we're getting right now are, are definitely refinances. And, and so on the these refinances, how do you have a sense of how many other lenders are really in the ball game that you're competing against today versus let's say what it would have been a year ago? I mean, how how robust is the competition? So my sense is there's a lot less lenders right now in the market. I mean, yeah. I, I know that factually. You know, in our business, everybody knows everyone, just like in your sure. business. You know all the players. And there, there's there's people that have gone away and there's people that are still there sitting on the sidelines. We know all of them. Um, there's just a lot less transactions going on. Um, but you asked earlier, what what's how long is this going to last? What's, what's going to happen? I think by the third quarter this year, you know, summer is always slow. But by the third quarter, you're going to have a lot of activity. Third and fourth quarter. You know, fourth quarter is always our busiest other than last year. In eight, eight of the nine years, it's been our busiest by far. Yeah. And I think you're going to have that. I mean, the blip you had for April 1st, I mean, that's just that's just luck of the draw. It's not happening anywhere else really yet. Right. But I think next 90, 120 days, things will settle down and then buyers are going to get itchy and they're going to want to close and they're going to want to buy something. And if they've got a lot of money, and they've got free reign to do it, they're going to do it. And it's kind of makes sense. I mean, I think it's the repricing. You you don't want to buy it on the way down, but if you're close to the bottom and you see positive signs, you know, it just takes a big transaction. Someone starts buying things left and right, and then everyone else kind of, you know, follows that that lead. Um, so in doing my hours and days and weeks of research on you, Brian, and your company, yes. uh, I was uh, surprised to see and impressed on your website uh, representative transactions that have a national scope. I believe you closed some deals recently on the East Coast. I think it was in Philadelphia. So mm -hmm. how how are you guys structured as a company? How are you able to deals on a, on a national uh, platform? I mean, how many people, how many professionals work at iBorrow and are you doing deals uh, well, obviously you are doing deals nationally because I saw them in Philly and elsewhere. Where are you transacting? And I guess, where are you not transacting? Sure. I mean, like a lot of lenders, we want to be near larger MSAs. That's where there's more information available. Um, we've been doing this a long time. We used to have regional offices. We, we've closed transactions and we know the markets. Um, we don't rely on appraisals as much. It's more we have an appraisal, but we, we, we see every property that we, we visit, every property, we talk to every borrower, and we know the local broker community in each area that we lend in. So we've got, you know, leasing brokers, we've got investment sales brokers in each of the big MSAs around the country. That, that's, that's really the way to do it. We started locally. I mean, we started like Southern California, and then we went slowly but surely Nevada, Arizona, Texas, and then we said, okay, we're going to go east. Well, we like the Florida market. Do we like the Alabama market? No, but we like the Florida market. Then we went up north. Do we like New York? Yeah, sure. New Jersey, sure. Boston, sure. But do we like, you know, Eastern Pennsylvania? I don't know. You know, do we like Rochester? Not as much. Larger MSAs, growth areas like Tampa, like Austin, Phoenix. We've done a lot in the Northwest, um, Seattle, Portland, um, Northern California. You know, it's it's funny. We haven't done a lot of sort of Orange County, San Diego, for whatever reason. 
it just doesn't seem to be, a, we've tried, we've been to conferences all throughout and just, there's just not a lot of private money needs, I guess, in those areas. Um, but it's, it's a hard thing to agree to do it, to become a nationwide lender, but we felt comfortable enough in the areas that we were lending in that, um, that we would, would be okay. And I can add this, one of my partners is in New York, three of my of my i have three partners one lives there currently and the other two all three of them are from or live significant time in the east coast um so we're comfortable going yeah. across the nation that way well how many do you have actual i think you mentioned regional offices so how many offices are there of ibarro right now it's it's just um it's seattle it's new york it's la okay. we've had some other regional offices um throughout the united states and um we sort of pulled back on them during covid um not because we didn't, not because we didn't want to lend there, but, but there's just no need to have people there yet for what we do. I mean, yeah. you you know this. You you can transact anywhere in the country from your office in Los Angeles, right? I mean, you you're licensed in California and probably other places, but you can do a deal, a transaction in New Jersey and, and sure. Florida and Texas if you need to. That's kind of how we feel. We have enough reach. We have a, um, a great asset management uh, team, um, great accounting team. Um, and our origination seems excellent. So we get that information, whatever we need, you know, and I've been doing this, Andrew, I've been doing, been in commercial real estate for 25 years. I started, you know, behind the desk, like you as an attorney for a couple of years, found out that wasn't for me. And for 25 years, I've seen the country and visited cities and tried to understand what makes a good real estate investment. You know, some I've made that have been good, some not so great. Um, but you do learn the one key element of either lending or buying property, which is how much are you paying for it? Is that basis a good basis that saves all deals? You can have the best operator in the world, but if he paid, he or she paid too much money for that property, that deal won't work. It all comes down to basis. Yep. Um, Brian, are you ready? Yes. Are you ready for the real talk? lightning round set of questions <laughs> did not know this was happening sure go for it how did you not know i mean i think i've had like 15 or 16 episodes i'm gonna have I, can i have questions for you afterwards i would love that no one asked okay so a, so a guest lightning round of the uh host okay go we ahead. can switch we can go back and forth okay? we may need another podcast for that we made it another hour yeah. tell josh okay go okay. ahead all right um you talked about the artwork behind me, and this is yes. now for the people who are watching us on YouTube and not just Let listening. Get out of the way. There it is. Who whose mugshot is that behind you? You don't know who that is. You're too young. That is. I'm trying to get in the right book. That's Sid Vicious from the Violent Femmes. Do you remember Sid Vicious? Ah, interesting. Sid Vicious was. I think it's the Violent Femmes. Sid Vicious was one of the pioneers, and all the borrowers when we're doing podcasts or doing, sorry, doing zooms, they have to see that picture. So they know eventually there'll be, there might be a mugshot of them if yeah. they screw with us and don't pay it. So it's a I little bit Sid of an intimidation. Vicious, I thought Sid Vicious was a wrestler. Um, <laughs> all right, your turn. You ask me now a lightning question. Um, number of attorneys in your firm that do real estate. Oh, come on. This is, this is we need. All right. What's your true, what's your true height? <laughs> Am I wearing my Lucchese boots or not? I don't know. Flat-footed oh, in the doctor's right office. In the doctor's um, office. 
Oh gosh. Um, I know so, the answer. So, okay. so when I when I played baseball at Northwestern, yes, that's another State. Northwestern plug. Yeah. Um, it said I was five eight. <laughs> and I am not five eight. You're not five eight. Okay, as I'm long much, as we're on the same page, that I'm less than sign. I'm much taller. That's okay. <laughs> okay. Um best golf course for these. best golf course you've ever played. North Camp uh let's see, Royal County Down, Northern Ireland. Oh, wow. Okay. Favorite member at Brentwood Country Club to play golf with? Don't answer oh, that. Oh, wow. I'm not going to answer um, that So how many strokes do I need <laughs> to get from you in order to uh, to beat you? You need – that's great. That's a great question. Uh, to beat me, I mean, you'll need four aside. Okay, fine. Done. We're okay. gonna we're gonna have a wager. All right. You're okay. giving me eight. Yep. Um tell me the one market that uh you haven't transacted in that you'd love to to transact in. I know you've already mentioned Orange County and San Diego, you'd like more of, but um what's a market that you just feel like you you want more uh more product in? Tampa. Tampa St. Pete. We've tried, yeah. we've tried and tried and tried. We've done a lot. In Miami, Fort Lauderdale, other places in Florida, we like, but I like the Tampa market. It's still strong, and we haven't done anything there. If you'd asked me a year ago what where I'd like to be do more of was probably Austin, and we've done a bunch of loans there. But I think um, anywhere in Florida seems to be fine. Anywhere in Texas seems to be fine. Um, those those two. Will you lend on office? Like I said earlier, uh, yes, has to be the right situation. Um, and if it's a client of yours, we'd, we'd, we'd consider it. Um, I think, uh, you know, value add office, this whole play of let's go in and make this incredible office building and with all the amenities in the world and spend all this money and, and to not have it guarantee that any tenants will show up, that doesn't seem like a great bet right now. Yeah. I think someone's going to make a ton of money on these office buildings at some point, at some basis. Um, I don't know what or how yet, but someone's going to do it. Someone much smarter than you or I, and whether they're going to convert them, which isn't easy, or they're going to tear them down and build industrial, I don't know what, but someone's going to make money on it. Um, it's unfortunate that I think two of the worst office markets in the United States are in California, downtown San Francisco, Market Street area, and downtown LA. Just Yep. It's sad. It's very sad. Um, you didn't. You could not say that. It was you know a year ago, two years ago. You couldn't say that. Now it's just terrible. Um, also downtown Chicago, um, Midtown New York. You know those kind of areas are problematic, and it's a shame. And someone's someone's going to figure that out. Well, we closed on a. Um, I mean, we saw the Union Bank transaction close at around a hundred dollars a foot. Uh, just before March 31st, and uh, I was involved in a transaction uh, in West LA that uh, was slightly more than 100 a foot. But it's um, you could definitely buy some office product for record low numbers. Um, we we were pitched that that deal in downtown LA that closed sure. by three or four different brokers, and we just didn't see the and probably at a basis we'd be okay, but we just didn't want to take that risk. We just don't yeah. see the the light at the end of the tunnel 
Um, and, you know, I have a couple people, mentors who know who they are, who, who always told me to be aware, be scared of downtown LA, that the reckoning was coming at some point. And so you say they've been, and, they've been telling you this for a long time? Yeah. They just said they didn't understand the appeal. You know, there wasn't enough retail. There wasn't enough things to do. There wasn't, and 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 for what you know, they had ten year run. It was pretty good. Downtown did yep. all right. You know, the high rise, the condo, Staples Center. I think the mistake they made in downtown LA, and you could probably agree to this, is I think they should have put the baseball stadium downtown, and put the football stadium where the base where Dodger Stadium is. I think they should have swapped that. And I think that would have added more, much more vibrancy to the to downtown with a baseball stadium and, you know, Metro rail going in and out, I would go to a lot more baseball games if it was downtown versus, you know, Chavez ravine, which is impossible. Um, that actually, you know, and you can put a football stadium there. It probably would have been better for the community. Um, but they didn't do it. They don't listen to me. And now they've they, got they should have, well, I'm going to end on this final question. You brought up baseball. Wait, is the lightning is the lightning round over? The lightning. Well, this is the final question of the lightning. All round. right, go ahead. Um, uh, you mentioned baseball. You mentioned Chavez Ravine. You mentioned something that both you and I spend an ungodly amount of time obsessing yes. over, and that's the Dodgers. And you and I, if you do recall, you actually extended an invitation, and I gladly accepted it to Game One of the World Series in 2017, where we won that game, and we thought. We're going to win. This is going to be the first World Series that we're going to see in person and since 88. And, of course, uh, we didn't because of a variety of cheaters and other factors. And, <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then we got hosed because we won a World Series when no one could see it in 2020. Right. Does it really right. exist? So my final question for you, Brian Good, when is the next time we are going to see in person – a Dodgers World Series. Is there something going on in your office that's more important than this last question? I was just going to show you. I was just going to see if I can show you all my Dodger. Oh, oh the, well, look at this. So all the audience has to watch this on YouTube. They cannot see this. Uh, Those are the uh, Dodger Dodger bobbleheads. Let me see if I can get it closer. Dodger bobbleheads. I, I have Dodger stuff all over, all over the office. So this is the year. I don't think there's a doubt in my mind that this is the year. This is the year. There's not as much pressure on them. Everyone was disappointed in the offseason. They've got the young guys going. It'll take them a little longer to, to find their um, sort of way, I think, the first half of the season, which I don't mind. I mean, they've, they, keep, you know, they keep winning 100 games and not winning the World Series. I'd like them to be that team that wins you know, 92, 93 games, you know, wins 15 of their last 20, enters into the playoffs hot as can be, and just – just kills everybody. I, I I think that's in them. I think they can do that this year. Um, I love the, the the new. I love Outman. I think he's spectacular. I think he's going to be something else. And I think all those young guys that they brought up to pitch are you know guys that are going to be around a while and they're going to help them. So I, I'm I'm happy. Last night is last night was indicative of what I expect to see. Sort of more the second half of the season. Yeah. Well, last year was as crushing of a letdown as, as can be. And now I'm just resigned to the regular season being 162 game extended preseason. And it's yes. all about October. So I, I look it. forward, I look forward to receiving that invitation to the world series again. Um, so thank you for that. 
and uh, for beating your ass in golf uh, with the 10 or the eight strokes that, that you're giving me. Well, I figured you would you would try to get free tickets out of this, and I figured you would you would pump up your golf game by the end of it. So I I was prepared for that. Um, so all I can say to you, I'll take the, the the high road. Thank you for this. I appreciate it. Great to see you. Great questions. I hope your uh, podcast uh, does very well. Um, to all the the viewers out there, all I think there's three or four today. I I'm excited to to hear the feedback. Um, your questions are great, Andrew, and all in all uh, sincerity, thank you. I really appreciate it. It's a, thank you for having us on and uh, look forward to speaking to you again in the near future. No, thank you, Brian, for coming on and uh, the success that Ibarro has had over its, uh, what, 10 plus year run. Uh, you know, everyone speaks very highly of you and the company uh, and uh, keep doing the great work and um, look forward to running into you uh, in, in our many circles of of life you got it thanks bud. all right brian take care all right bye-bye you've been listening to real talk real estate discussions with andrew kirsch you can catch prior episodes at scholarkirsch.com and on youtube linkedin apple Podcasts, spotify google podcasts and more thank you for your positive reviews comments and for sharing the show with others